getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. And I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, we had heard whispers. Uh, Of course, the Denver Broncos had originally been scheduled to play in the UK during the pandemic season, and that got kiboshed for obvious reasons. But now we learned today. And I'll pull up the article here from uh, Keith Cummings, who wrote it up at milehighhuddle.com. Indeed, the Denver Broncos will be playing in the United Kingdom this year, and they're going to be facing the Jaguars in London in October. Your gut reaction, sir? I have a couple thoughts about this. Um, Personally, whether the Broncos play in the U.S. or the U.K. doesn't matter to me, but I, I am happy for Broncos country overseas across the pond. They get to see the Broncos up close such a rare occasion they'll be able to take advantage of. So I'm certainly happy for that sect of the fan base. Um, I I like the fact the Broncos more than likely because of NFL scheduling will get a bye week after this particular game, which means it'll fall around week nine, which I think is a good time to have a bye week for the Broncos. It it worked out well that way. Uh, Storyline wise, it's first time head coach versus retread head coach, a guy a lot of Broncos fans wanted in Doug Peterson. And the Broncos have, obviously, Nathaniel Hackett. I think the Broncos will come out on top in this game. Um, but more so, again, it's nice the Broncos are being back in the public eye a little more. And uh, for the international fans, big treat for them. So I am happy in that regard. Thanks to Russell Wilson, man. The Broncos are a pretty consistent national story nowadays. Uh, but I thought it was cool for Keith here to, to bring up the last time the Broncos did play in the U.K. 12 years ago, a San Francisco 49ers loss which I can remember, of course, Josh McDaniels. That was when he got busted authorizing illegal videotaping of his opponent's practice sessions and when Pat Bowen caught wind of this, 86'd him. But I remember Delaney Walker going off in this game. A lot of Broncos fans probably can remember this as well. Alex Smith getting the dub. It was uh, no fun. But, yes, I'm stoked for Keith. Keith lives – he's the only member of our staff here at Mile High Huddle that is – well, no, that's not true. James Campbell also is in the UK. So for guys like Keith, for guys like James, for members of our community like JT, Marcus Lewis, Hennis, so many of you out there, if I don't mention, you know that we love you. We're just joy overjoyed that uh, you're going to get to see your team in the flesh rooting them on and what's going to be a meaningful game. This isn't like 2010. By the time the Broncos went over there and played, man, it was about pride. It wasn't about trying to keep a season alive. Uh, Tanner, dude, thank you for that generous super chat, my dog. Very, very generous. Thank you, you, buddy. What's up? He says, I can't catch a live tonight because of work. Just wanted to show some love. Hashtag let's ride. State of being Broncos for life. Much love and respect, Tanner. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Tanner, and thank you to Michael. Wow. 
throwing down Amazing. Thank you. like a boss. Dude, thank you, buddy. He says, I am excited, Michael Ronquillo, uh, the, that the Broncos are playing in London. Let's ride and go Broncos. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It's uh, it's a new era, Zach, in the Mile High City. Things are 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 moving, baby. It's going to be an early game, though, for those of us in the States. Yeah. 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain Time, but I'm all for it. I'm excited to watch that game. And uh, the first of many primetime games for the Broncos. I think they'll have about five this year when the schedule comes out in a few weeks. Yes, indeed. Guys, we are stoked because tonight we get to speak with one of our great superstar slash supporters, Andrew Baker. We're going to be chatting with him. We're going to be picking his brain on some of the key issues, including – this draft class and what comes next for the Denver Broncos. We're going to be getting into your comments, your questions. There are a few other pieces of news that we got to get to that happened at uh, Broncos HQ today. We've been waiting for this for a long time. We were, uh, we got the chance to actually meet Andrew Baker in the flesh. It was really cool during our week three meet and greet last year. We look forward to have hosting a couple of those when the football season rolls around again and getting to meet as many of you as possible. But Without further ado, let's bring him on. Andrew Baker, man, a myth, a legend, a father. We, we just recently got an update from Andrew on Axel. And yes, if you were wondering, well, I, I, I was about to tell him what, the, what your boy's middle name is, but I thought, wait a minute, he might not want that to be public knowledge. Either way, Andrew Baker in the house. What's good, bro? Thanks for making time for us. How are you? What's good, Broncos country? Thanks for having me chatting, Zach. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, dude, we are super excited. And again, we've been looking forward to this. And as much as we want to get your thoughts on a couple of the current events, I mean, we're trying to pull Broncos country and keep our finger on the pulse as far as how you're feeling about this 2022 draft class. But before we get to that, we want to nerd out a little bit. We want to, you know, put our fan hats on and really just have some fun. And first things first, I'm not going to say where you're at. That's up to you if you want to. But you're one of the great members of our community that exemplifies the hashtag state of being. Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. So being that you're not in the Mecca, we'll say, how did you become such a passionate, knowledgeable Broncos fan? Well, first of all, I grew up north of Cincinnati where everybody was pretty much Bengals fans, and I could not stand that who they think going to beat them Bengals. I was always like, what do you mean, everybody? <laughs> my mom and dad, my older brother, they were big Cowboys fans, and I just kind of, you know, figured I was going to go out there and find a team of my own. About the mid-'90s, you know, came across. Right around the time when they changed the logo and the color scheme, John Elway, Rod Smith, Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, Steve Atwater, and it was right before they won back-to-back Super Bowls. And at that point, I knew, I, you know, I picked the right team. Uh, Andrew, I promise I'm not paying Malcolm to say this, but Andrew, he says Andrew has a cool T-shirt. Show that off for the audience, Andrew, if you would. Those are the football sure, priests right there on your chest. Uh, um, pod. I don't know if you guys know it. But. That's right. That's right. Um, Andrew, you probably know what's coming next. I want to know, uh, in all your years of being part of Broncos country, what's your happiest memory you draw on and your least favorite memory that you want to forget? Well, I'm going to start off with the worst, and I don't think it's ever happened in NFL history or the context that it did. And that's the Saints game where we didn't have a quarterback. I mean, <laughs> a kudos, in that game, looking back on it, kudos to Kendall Hinton. But watching those <laughs> snaps where it was just Philip Lindsay in the backfield, yeah. dropping back and just taking off with it, it was like, man, what are we doing? I was in Chicago with my father-in-law watching that game, and he was like, why, why are you even watching this? It was like a train wreck. I couldn't couldn't look away. My favorite memory has got to be last year, the home opener against the Jets. It was, uh, you know, the meet and greet. They had a blowout, which even against a bad team is, you know, hard. Yeah, they and were walking, rare. Walking into the stadium for the first time after a lifelong fandom, I was like, man, I had to let it breathe, you know, take whatever oxygen that was left in that stadium. <laughs> Little Axel, yeah. he was three years old, shouting, doing the incomplete, and that's got to be one of my best memories for me personally. That's awesome. That's awesome. We appreciate it, too. That's got to be the one shining moment, you know. I'll I'll just try and remember Teddy, the Jets game. When I when when someone says Teddy, I'm gonna think week three the Jets. Um, Andrew, okay, so this is good. You you came into Broncos country at the perfect time, really, right before they end up going on and becoming the, a true juggernaut and finally validating 
for all the long suffering fans, the, the, who had waited through an Owen four super bowl, um, I don't know, record, whatever, for better part of a couple, two, three decades by this point, talking the Owen four part, the first super bowl being 78, but either way, you jumped into the perfect time to see some of the, the classic legacy guys, Elway, as you mentioned, all those guys. So if we're talking legacy and if we're talking all-time Mount Rushmore Broncos, four guys, who would they be for Andrew Baker, your Denver Broncos Mount Rushmore? Right on. Well, before I get into that, I had a little story to tie on with coming into that right time. Right before they won the back-to-back Super Bowls, I had a little foam football given to me by a family friend that was signed by Terrell Davis. And it was kind of like the um, Babe Ruth sandlot ball. Me and my buddies, we played with it. We tore it up. We drug it through the mud. I think my dog ended up chewing it up, so I'll never live that down. But uh, with the Mount Rushmore, you can't have any Broncos Rushmore complete without John Elway. My um, dude, Shannon Sharp. And uh, modern Broncos times, it's got to be Peyton Manning, Von Miller. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, Andrew, I want to bring it back to current times. Um, I want to I, I wanted to ask your grade about the offseason, but I want to kick it to more of a specific tone. Take away Russell, Russell Wilson. And you have the distinction, Andrew, of being the first guest after the draft. So we get to ask you more questions relating to the Broncos' moves this offseason. What has been your favorite non-Russell Wilson move Peyton has made as Broncos GM this offseason? Well, that's kind of hard. I mean, I really like Randy Gregory and his explosiveness, but with the injury concerns and then thinking about Chubb and his deal. But uh, I'm, I'm going to have to stick with him. I think he's going to be healthy. I think the off-field concerns are behind him, and I think he's going to be a really explosive player. What about Nick Benito? Were you stoked on the Denver Broncos not only taking an edge rusher, I mean, we talked about on this show in a perfect world, we'd like for them to come away with an edge or a tackle in uh, the second round, which was, of course, this year, Denver's first pick in the draft, not counting Russell Wilson, of course. Your thoughts on the Nick Benito pick, how you felt about it when it was made, Andrew, and how you're feeling about it now? Well, my first question is, when are we going to try to develop a, a tackle, that right tackle position? Thank um, you. The draft is hard, especially when your first pick is at 64. I know Peyton was looking at moving up. I know he probably tried to move down. There was no doings going on there, so he did what he felt was right, I guess. But it was kind of funny because I was in the chats Friday, and I asked pretty early in the stream, which was like a six-hour stream, basically, who would you all be upset with if we took, you know, at 64? And all everybody was inconsistent. Consensus, Nick Benito. Nobody wanted Nick Benito. And they kept talking about it. And I think it kind of got willed into existence. And maybe that's my fault. I shouldn't ask him that question. <laughs> but uh, I, I think he's he's a good, you know, pass rusher. He's got to get them legs going up. And uh, we'll see how they do and what the players are looking like and what the coaches can do with them. You scored a lot of points in my book by talking about the tackle. I don't know why the Broncos are allergic to drafting a premium tackle and developing them, but that's uh, neither here nor there right now. You know, Andrew, on la- on Monday's pod, we talked about our grade for the draft class. Uh, I agree with Nick. He said C+. Plus. I think Chad said B-. minus. What would you give the Broncos draft class grade-wise? It's so hard to truly grade a draft right away. you got to wait about two or three years. If i got to do it right now, it's going to be a B-. minus. I can't give Peyton a C for everything he's done so far. (laughs) Right. I mean, if you're including Russell Wilson in the draft hall, I mean, depends on how you want to attack it. I could see a a better, a better grade, more rosy colored grade, but that being the case, last question for you here, Andrew, and then we'll let you get back to, to things. What do you foresee happening? And hopefully by the way, between now and when the season starts, maybe we'll get to have you back on the show and we'll, have a little bit more information. We'll get to maybe see how the, the team's coming together, OTAs being in the books at this point later on, and then maybe training camp. But for now, what's your prediction? You don't necessarily need to give us a, a record prediction unless you got one. What do you expect to see from this team in 2022? Well, I've got to do a record. At the very worst, it's got to be 10 wins. I mean, come on. At best, probably 13. But – uh. As far as everything going on in the rest of the season, I don't know what, you know, you just never know with uh, George Payton, what he's done with free agency. 
it's hard to tell. I think they're going to put in a lot of work. I think the coaches and everything, they're going to start to get that jail going before the season even starts. Cause I have heard a lot of people say, well, we might start off Rocky. They got a jail. The excitement's high. The energy's high. I think they're all going to put in a lot of work right now. And I'm, I'm optimistic. Everything's going to start coming together. Heck yeah, buddy. From your lips to the ears of the football gods, he is Andrew Baker. He's a maven in the MHH community, especially on Facebook. Andrew, thanks for all that you do. Thanks for being in every chat just about. Thanks for coming out to the meet and greets. Thanks for making yourself available for some some content here tonight. You crushed it. You knocked it out of the park. So thank you, my friend. It's really been a joy getting to know you, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Uh, let's ride and go Broncos. Thanks, thank Yeah, buddy. All right, there he goes, Andrew Baker, A.B. Awesome. I think I'm just going to call him A.B. now. I like that. I like that. A.B., phonetic. Oh, we got the Duchess jumping in with a very generous super chat. Top rope. Top rope. Yes, indeed, a Michaela bomb. Love you so much. She says, I can't wait for the schedule and some live football. Yes, same. indeed. Yes, indeed. Same, we'll get same, that same. schedule reveal here very, very soon, Zach. And we have football coming up. The Broncos have a rookie minicamp, I believe, the 13th and the 14th. They have OTAs scattered throughout this month and the beginning of June and a mandatory minicamp in mid-June. Then before we know it, training camp's here and preseason, and we'll have football again. It's right around the corner. I cannot wait for it. I'm, I'm pumped up. And, Michaela, you add to that excitement with all your generosity. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Love you. Appreciate you. We'll, we'll be, I'm sure, talking to you more here in the chat. But, yeah, dude. Andrew just he's just a stud I like dude he when he showed up at the meet and greet he had his his wife his kid in tow stoked he was telling me before we went live I said we're just sit in the in the in the stadium you know for that week three and he said wherever they're shooting up the you know the fireworks after every touchdown I'm like yeah baby that's a great spot like if you're gonna take well first of all yourself but let alone take your kid to their first Bronco game and everything dude that was a B that was a great fortuitous you you were smiled upon as far as first impressions and memories go. That's awesome. Thanks you. Thank you. Uh, thank you again, AB. Uh, speaking of thanks, Zach, we got GLP Gary Leeds Palmer in the house. Hey Chad, Zach Scott. Since Russell Wilson came to town, the perks just keep coming. Relevant again and welcome Andrew. Yeah, baby, the Broncos are relevant. I mean, it's cool to see national. I mean, I don't really care that much about this stuff to be frank with you, but there is a part of me where it's like, hey, it's cool to see the whoever the Broncos starting quarterback is, you got good morning football wanting their time, right? Like good morning football is not trying to break their neck to get Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke or Joe Flacco or Trevor Simeon on the show in the middle of, you know, well, three, four days after the draft, but they did for Russell Wilson because he's a star. The biggest perk is still yet to come with having Russell Wilson and that's winning football games and the Broncos are going to win plenty of them. I'm right there with Andrew and what he said. The floor is 10 wins. How nice is that to say, Chad, for years, the dream, the ultimate goal would be for 10 wins if everything broke right now. That's the floor. The ceiling could be 13, 14 wins. Sky's the limit. This team is primed for success in 2022. I'm so pumped up. Uh, Speaking of being primed, the Denver Broncos made a roster move today. And, and if you're listening to this after the fact on Wednesday, I'll show you guys what happened. I'm sure most of you have already read about this, but even after Zach, I want to get your take on this because even after using one of their premium round picks on a tight end, the Denver Broncos opted to re-sign Eric Sobert to a one-year deal. So I'm now wondering, you went out and signed Eric Tomlinson. And I know we, it wasn't to a lot of money and this deal for Sobert certainly is not going to be for a lot of money. But why did you need both Eric Sobert and Eric Tomlinson? Like, if you were going to bring Eric Sobert back, Zach, I would have said, just bring Eric Sobert back. You don't need to spend any money on Tomlinson because Sobert is a more than competent blocker. And don't forget they re-signed Andrew Beck as well, who's a fullback slash tight end. I mean, how many blocking tight ends do you need? My first thought when I saw this news come out, okay, more right tackle depth then because the Broncos won't draft one. They won't develop one. They have Billy Turner starting right there. Some of all their parts. He's, you know, people say Saubert's a sneaky good receiver. I never got that vibe. He's kind of a blocker, an extra uh, tackle, so to speak. So if Peyton thinks he's going to help the team and help the running game and keep Russell Wilson upright, I like it. But I have the same question I had about the Dulcich pick. Did you need him? Is he right. a necessity? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, 
I liked Sobert when he was used. In fact, if you guys can think back to the preseason last year and he was getting some looks in the passing game, it was like, wait a minute, there might be a little something, something here as the tight end three. This is kind of cool. And then cut to the regular season. I mean, we can look at the stats here. I think he had uh, Nick wrote it out here. This was Nick Kendall's article. Let me find it. He finished uh, five receptions, Zach, for 74 yards. That was in the that was in the uh, preseason. And then in the regular season, where did he put it? I know he put it in here. I'm going to find it right here. Eight receptions, 47 yards, and a tutty. He did get that touchdown. So at wow. least he got to score last year. Wow, that's uh, super impressive. I mean, if we're <laughs> relying on the tight end three now, talking about that, is is he that important of a guy when you have four gr- pretty good to great receivers and you dr- you added a couple uh, rookies that you're high on, Montrell Washington and Jalen Virgil, do you need a tight end three who's a good receiver? I mean, for his blocking ability, sure, but any Broncos fan selling Sauber for his receiving ability, I think that's a bit of a stretch, if you ask me. But you know what? Hey, Considering the low, if you consider his snap to touchdown ratio, I mean, dude, maybe this is the guy that ought to be catching passes from Russell Wilson. I jest here, but it was his first career touchdown. So props to Eric Sobert. And, you know, as Nick writes in the article, will he make the roster this year? I mean, last year it was a pretty wide open path to to making it because you had Albert Okuwebunam still recovering from his ACL. And then Noah Fant atop the depth chart there was nobody else really. So he was virtually guaranteed a roster spot this time. You got, yeah, fans gone, but Albert O, uh, Andrew, ba- uh, Andrew Baker, Andrew Baker is going to be suiting up, playing some tight end, Andrew Beck. And of course the free agent acquisition, Tomlinson, and now the third round pick Dulcich. So as cool as it is, I think to see Sobert come back just for a little, you know, you're hedging a little bit, you're, you're bolstering the depth. One of either he or Tomlinson, I just have a feeling, isn't making this roster. Or Beck. I was going to say one of the three is destined to get cut. There's no way they can go into the season with that many tight ends, uh, most of whom do the same thing. Albert O is a better receiver, I think, than all of them when he plays to his ceiling. And I wish the Broncos would lean into him a little more. If I'm Albert O, I'm coming out of this last couple weeks thinking, wow, the Broncos really aren't that high on me. By the way, Phil McLaughlin jumping in. He says, uh, great to see Andrew. I'm really excited to see how the coaching staff gets these draft choices in top shape. Go Broncos. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, Nick Benito, let's put it this way. For the MHH draft guys, Nick Benito was not a darling amongst them. But, hey, if you look at how there was a clip going around that the Broncos put out, Zach, on Twitter, I'm sure you saw it, of when the pick had just, I think, been put in and they got a camera on George Payton and he goes, wow, Nick freaking Benito, you know, he, he used a, a naughty. Um, they obviously think much highly, much higher of Nick Benito than, you know, the the draft Nick community. Although the longer we get away, Zach, from the draft days, uh, the more I'm starting to see positive returns from different draft Nick and national media coming in and saying, no, no, no. Don't sleep on Benito. The same thing. And by the way, love you, Michaela. She says, put Sobert at right tackle. <laughs> LMAO. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But it's the same thing um, that Benito was told on the phone by his new GM and his new uh, defensive coordinator. And that is get ready to get to work, putting some meat on them bones. All right. We got to get you stronger. We got to get you bigger and stronger because he's already like Zach. I don't really worry whatsoever about, can Nick Benito come in as a situational pass rusher and impact the game? I think he can. I think he easily steps onto the roster as a pass rusher and is the third best guy without even having taken an NFL snap yet. Just, I mean, that dude's twitched up his bend, his ability to arc and turn that corner. I mean, he's got some tools and he's got some, some twitch, but the problem is because you can't count on him as a run defender, you can only use him in situational, um, football which means it's a tell when he's on the field that you think they're going to pass and they can play against that can run right at you i mean if peyton manning's on the field he knows that scouting report on nick benito and if nick benito's on the field guess what audible we're running right at this cat and see what happens so he's got to get stronger and once he does and it won't happen overnight it'll take him a good solid year minimum to really build up that nfl body 
in the short term, Zach, he's going to be a situational assassin for this team. But the hope is he gets some of those LBs on his frame and can then start being better at holding up. He's got to learn the technique and all that stuff because he wasn't asked to do those things at Oklahoma. We hope he's going to be an assassin. We don't know that yet. He has a lot to prove. He's, in, in a lot of ways, very raw. And to keep it hyper-specific to the Broncos, best case for Benito to me is Shaq Barrett. Worst case is Shane Ray. And I'm worried about the Shane Ray scenario playing out. There's kind of the same qualities in a sense. I think, yeah. I think he'll be more successful than Shane Ray was. The bar is not set very high for that, but... Um, he's not the pick I, I, I question too much. Like I kind of still question the Dulcich pick. And to Michaela's point about Sauber playing right tackle, that's where he'd line up. Any one of these guys, they're going to play either Sauber, Beck, or Tomlinson. They're going to be right next to Billy Turner or Calvin Anderson or Tom Compton, whoever's starting there. Because what did George Karloff just say at the draft, Chad? He said he wants to sack Russell Wilson. He wants to the get the little after guy, him. the little guy. And he's not the only one in that division or in the NFL who wants to get after Russell Wilson. And when Karloff just takes the field, he's going to line up opposite the right tackle more than likely. And you have to protect Russell Wilson at all costs. So yeah, I'm, I'm playing one of the tight ends as a tackle. Andrew, it was our pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Again, thanks for making some time for us, my brother. Give our best to the misses. Give our best to Axel. It was great getting a chance to chat with you. Um, Jay Valentine jumping in with the super chat. Really appreciate that. Uh, he says, uh, what's up? Big Broncos fan. Appreciate this channel. It helps me out with the news. Currently a junior in high school grinding for FSU. Wish me luck, dude. I hope you get that scholarship dog. Hope you get that scholarship. What do you play? What's your position? Let us know, but thank you for the super chat. Thank you for the kind words and participating here at MHH. Thank you. Thank Jay. you. Thank you, Jay. Best of luck, man. Um, you know, it's, it reminds me, Zach, you probably get these too, but when draft season rolls around, you know, the pre-draft run-up. So we're talking when the college football regular season comes to a close and then you get all the bowl games and then you get the real meat and potatoes of the pre-draft scouting process. I My, my DMs, which I keep open on Twitter, um, I start getting flooded with prospective college, kind of fringe college prospects that aren't even on NFL radar that are trying to get on NFL radar yeah. saying, Hey, could you like maybe do a write up on me? Could you check out my film? And it's like, Hey dude, you know what? God love you. I wish I could help you, but uh, it would do absolutely nothing. It does nothing. And it's not Bronco relevant. If you were a prospect that had been invited to the combine, if you were a prospect that was even at like a, a division one school that held a pro day, then it might make some sense for me to say, all right, Hey Eric, could you maybe do a finding Broncos on this kid? If you can find some film on but most of the time, the guys that are reaching out to do that, they don't. There's none of those resources available, and I have to, unfortunately, just kind of disappoint them. But I wish I could be of more help in those situations. Honestly, I do hope Jay uh, gets the scholarly, and I hope he keeps us updated on uh, what he's going through. We appreciate your uh, interaction. Hope to see you around. Heck yeah, bro. Hope hope we're reading that right. FSU. Hope it's we're, it's Seminoles that what you're saying there. Um, all right, Zach. So we get past, I want to pull up a few things that have published since last you and I were on the horn with everybody here. We covered, uh, we covered the, the, uh, United Kingdom thing. We covered the signing of Eric Sobert. What the Sam Hill is this some believe business about Alan Lazard. Okay. Now this is crushing it right now on traffic. It's just raking it in on Google and Facebook headline report. Some believe Packers wideout Alan Lazard intends to join the Broncos in 2023. So a year from now, Zach, you wrote it up for us, though. Break it down. Yeah, basically the lizard man is an RFA who's yet to sign his tender with Green Bay. And from what Mike Florio reported, he's holding out of offseason workouts, might even hold out in a training camp. We don't know that yet. But apparently he intends to maybe, this is a possibility, play out this season on his RFA tender, become an unrestricted free agent in 2023, and then reunite with Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos and join that receiving core. I don't know how feasible that is. As I write in the article, it sounds good on paper, but the Broncos, if there's one position they do not need to address, it's wide receiver. So unless they trade, like let's say Jerry Judy, or unless Lazard accepts a really short-term, low-guarantee offer and a lesser role, I don't see this materializing. I don't know where it came from exactly, whether Florio thinks just because he played for Hackett, he's a fit with the Broncos, another national media 
folk not really knowing what the Broncos situation is, but apparently Lazard's unhappy uh, in Green Bay. I don't blame him necessarily. He's shown decent talent. He's 6'5 with 4'5 speed, I think, 4'5'5. But he's been buried under Devontae Adams, of course, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Randall Cobb, now Christian Watson and uh, Sammy Watkins, who they signed. I don't blame him for wanting a fresh start. I don't think that starts going to come in Denver, though. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. I don't either. I don't either. I mean, I got asked by a lot of people when we were at the draft in the media realm. And keep in mind, guys, this is where a lot of the rumors and the different things that you hear get turned into articles and stuff, not just at MHH, but across the Fruited Plain. They start when media people descend on one locale, whether it's the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Game, the freaking Combine, the draft, and rumors start getting spread around a little bit because everyone's got their own different sources and whatnot. But, Zach, I was asked on multiple occasions, no way the Broncos aren't going to try and trade either a Jerry Judy or a KJ Hamler, right? One of those guys getting traded. And it kind of, the first time it was asked to me, it took me by surprise a little bit because, and maybe it's one of those things where you're insulated in your own world. You're not really, it kind of takes an outsider's view to kind of make you recognize a situation for what it might be. But I was, I was a little bit shocked. I was like, well, I have heard actually zero on that. KJ Hamler, if he wasn't injured, would have some, you know, recovering from injury, I should say, would probably have some serious value out there. Jerry definitely has some value. I mean, not the same value he had as a draft pick coming in, but uh, what are your thoughts on the idea of, is that even a, a viable possibility? The Broncos trading one of those two guys? I, I don't see why they would. I mean, what would a team give up for KJ Hamler, who's been unproven in the NFL and extremely injury prone? Coming off that injury, he's on the ultimate prove-it deal uh, this season, Jerry Judy, for, for the most part, uh, same situation, not injury prone, but unproductive, unproven as an NFL wide receiver, first round pick, but he's not Justin Jefferson yet. He's not CD lamb. He's fallen well behind the learning curve. A lot of that is the Broncos coaching. A lot of that is the Broncos quarterbacking. And a lot of that is Jerry Judy's own faults with uh, pass catching and not holding on to footballs. So until these receivers are more bona fide, who else would take them on? Why would anyone else give up capital? For an unpolished guy, especially someone like Jerry Judy, who's outwardly in the past calling out his quarterback on Twitter for his conditioning. Not a good look. Well, and I want to grab this, uh, what K-Hop's saying here. But first, um, I mean, first of all, you've got an injured K.J. Hamler. It affected the offense when K.J. Hamler went down, even though he was still kind of earning his his bones, so to speak. You know, they had to have that extra body because – you know, Ju uh, Jerry Judy was hurt. So it's one of those things where it's like, hey, man, you might have a surplus at a given position. Sometimes, unless you're in a position where you can be a chooser, I'm not sure the Broncos have moved from being beggar to chooser quite yet. I know you got Russell Wilson, but considering the fact that, you know, you had you dealt with some injuries last year at the wide receiver position from both the players I mentioned, Judy got hurt. Hamler got hurt. Judy missed half the season almost. Let's remember that. Sure. Uh, Hamler missed, you know, 80% of the season. So better to have and not need, Zach, as you heard me say once or twice in Vegas, than to need and not have. And no one else on the Broncos roster with respect to Montreal, Washington, and Jalen Virgil can do what K.J. Hamler does, which is run really fast in a straight line and break defense wide open. Russell Wilson throws one of, if not the best deep ball in the entire league. And he's going to want to take advantage of Nathaniel Hackett's downfield play column. Who better to do that with than with a healthy KJ Hamler? So the Broncos are fine at receiver. George Payton had enough foresight to lock down Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick before the wide receiver market exploded. They have Jerry Judy and Hamler on their rookie deal still. Why mess with what's not broken right now? Leave it be. It's going to be fine. Jerry Judy's in for a breakout year. KJ, if he's healthy, he's going to do things down the field for the Broncos. They're going to be explosive, and I want to see that. All right, let's grab here K-Hop sandwich. So no more A.J. Johnson. It doesn't seem like the Broncos have any intention of bringing him back. But you know what? When it comes to George Payton and his own original free agents, we should probably say never say never because – 
you know, they waited till almost the draft to bring back Kareem. They waited till almost the draft to bring back Melvin Gordon. They waited till after the draft to bring back Eric Saubert. So it doesn't seem like the pendulum Zach is swinging back toward Alexander Johnson's direction, but stranger things have happened. George Payton must not be a dinosaur guy. It's the only explanation as to why <laughs> Johnson's not in the Broncos uniform, but you know, they had, they're really high on Josie Jewell and they brought him back for a reason. They targeted Alex Singleton as a guy they wanted on the, the outside market. And they brought back Jonas Griffith, who I think is the dark horse in this Broncos inside linebacker um, competition, so to speak. So I hope he gets a contract somewhere, but the fact he's still unsigned leads me to believe that maybe the NFL, like the Broncos, aren't as high on Johnson as maybe we all once were. RAL Blitz on Twitch. We always want to try and grab a comment or question or two from our Twitch community. It says, G'day, boys. Really looking forward to preseason already. I'm keen to see those camp battles, cheap moves we make, and who might be some of the surprise cuts. Hashtag state of being. Well, let me tell you something. I mean, it'll be here before you know it. I mean, we're already sitting here in May, and it seems like just yesterday, you know, the Broncos season was over and we're, I mean, time flies so fast. I don't know about you, Zach, like if time, if you've noticed time kind of telescoping on you. By that, I mean, when you're young, let's say you're in high school, time is like your your view of, of time is wide. You've got all the time in the world, man. So many possibilities. And the older you get, whether it's with you got a job, you get married, you get settled down, whatever, and you kind of become slave to the grind, for lack of a better term, it's less and less time. For me, that really accelerated when I started having kids. It went from time kind of I'm looking forward to things happening, and it seems like it's taking forever for the things that I'm looking forward to to come, to all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. It's happening around you, and then, you know, one day I'm going to wake up and be 75 years old and not know who I am or something. You know, like time. Time's a weird thing. And we'll still be podcasting at 75, though, so we we can all uh, be grateful for that. It's true, though. I mean, we all have a different view of time the more we get older, but one thing I've learned in this business covering the NFL, there's really no offseason. There's something happening every month, and minus that five- or six-week respite in between uh, late June to late July, it's constant football going on. So before we all know it, we'll be talking about training camp and then preseason, and then we're right back into regular season play, and it's going to be a fun ride, and I'm enjoying every every part of it. All right, I'm making sure we're not missing something here on the newswire. Um, uh, what's that? I wanted to say that I uh, I missed something, and this is for Scott. This is for my ego and for Scott's notice. <laughs> Teddy got KJ Hamler hurt. Po poking the bear. Just so, just so we're clear. Wait, Judy got – I'm trying to remember Judy's injury. What was – wasn't it a camp injury? Did he get – oh, no. It was during the season. Yeah, season opener. Season opener. Yeah, that was a brutal, <laughs> brutal hit. Uh, you got all twisted up. I remember it now suddenly. Hey, um, oh, okay, real quick here. thought it was broken. I don't know how that wasn't a worse injury. Thank God for Judy, but that was, yes. uh, that was gnarly. That's right. Yep. Let's take a look here, Zach. You know, the Broncos, after their 2021 – Draft hall was made like almost the immediate aftermath. They were getting lauded and props. And then even in retrospect, of course, George Payton is given the, the crown, so to speak, for the best draft class, et cetera, et cetera. This time around, it wasn't an overwhelming, yo, check out this class. Scott does a pretty good job at helping you understand, I think, if you're listening to the morning shows, Broncos for Breakfast, that it's hard to make that kind of a splash when you're not picking for the first time until almost the third round. I mean, yeah, the Broncos did have a second round pick, pick 64, but it was literally the last pick before the third round. Um, but still, people were a little lackluster on terms of like Greg Dulcich, the tight end. And I think he might have kind of felt that a little bit in the media room when he showed up on Saturday for uh, his presser, Zach, and people were questioning his speed. And I like this because he kind of punched back. I like it. He says, quote, I think my speed is definitely elite. You watch the film, and I'm getting great separation, so I'll disagree with you there. It's really just my background as a receiver that helps that a lot and the fundamentals I learned from my tight end coach to get away from guys and create that separation was huge, and I'm excited to continue to mm -hmm. do that, Zach, at the next level. Close quote. So this guy ran a 4.69 at the combine, right? Which was a little bit lackluster. I mean, if you compare it to Albert O, 449, 
Noah Fant 450. It's obviously not up to snuff, but it's kind of pedestrian for a, for a tight end. But he's saying, no, 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 that was the anomaly. I'm faster than that. I have elite speed. What do you think? He's not going to say I'm slow as hell and I suck as a tight end. I mean, he's going to give himself a compliment. He's yeah, but elite, 21, 22 years old, but ever feeling himself just got drafted. I'd be bragging too. Um, but four six nine, that's that's not a great number. He's going to have to prove he's elite and not Joe Flacco elite, but actually elite in the NFL. Um, but there is football speed, and you know there is like when you a glider, not necessarily a sprinter on the field. Maybe he's that, but time will tell for sure. Big expectations to set out of the gates, though. I mean, Gronk wasn't a uh, speed demon, right? Um, Travis Kelsey, I don't remember what his his 40 was off the top of my head. I'm going to look it up, but uh, I don't think of him as a speed demon. He's a he's more of a tactician, right? Like he's more of a, those he's are more of a craftsman. Let me see. Travis Kelsey, I want to see this now, 40 time. Uh, it's been a while, obviously, and this was a guy that – he was a 4-6-1, so that's a little closer to a Dulcich. Dulcich – time at the combine a little bit slower than that obviously almost a full tenth of a second but i just think he's a guy if you turn on his tape and, and try to learn a little bit about greg dulcich he's a guy that as he talked about from his tight end coach he just has a knack for getting open and i just hope that with all this tight end talent that they're loading up with russell wilson uses these guys this year a little bit yeah, I mean, I was called out for uh, pointing out the fact at the draft that Russell Wilson historically hasn't leaned on his tight ends and someone came back with stats, but they've mentioned Jimmy Graham. And if you're expecting Jimmy Graham out of Greg Dulcich right away, or ever for that matter, then that's a bar he might not, not be able to leap over. I think that's unfair to put that on his shoulders. I hope he can help out the Broncos, but where does he fall on the totem pole? How do you satisfy everyone on offense, keep them all happy and, and productive? That's a, a big task for Hackett and Outen. That it is. Uh, Gary Blah Blah wants to know up in Canada. Thank you for the super, my friend. What is Kenny Young, the former Broncos linebacker, current free agent? What's his market value? Two point five million a year. Maybe. Well, if you look at what he earned, and remember, his first, the only contract he's played on up to this point was his rookie deal, and uh, his career earnings currently total over four years just over three million bucks. So about three point one million dollars is how much money he's earned in the league. I think he's at this stage for whatever reason. I think he's uh, just maybe a little bit more than veteran minimum level value uh, on the market. Probably Zach. One of the reasons he's still languishing out there is that he is seeking something like two five or three or whatever he might be after. If he just said, "Look, pay me what you want to pay me. I'm gonna go prove it," because he had some bad luck last year. Started out on a good team, then he got traded to a bad team, and then got hurt. That's just bad luck, dude. That's bad luck. So take what you can get one more year, whether it's in Denver or elsewhere, I mean, and go prove it again and then capitalize, you know, because I always liked Kenny Young. I liked him coming out of UCLA. I thought he was going to be a stud for the Ravens. He didn't quite land as maybe with as much authority during his time as a Ram, but got off to a hot start in Denver. I mean, when he was inserted, Zach, into the starting lineup week nine against the Cowboys next to Baron Browning, all of a sudden that defense just came to life and it wasn't so much that it was because Kenny Young was making play after play after play I mean he did make a few plays let's don't get me wrong but it was the energy he brought that yeah. swagger that intensity that dog that's what I've always liked about Kenny Young he's a little smallish for an off-ball linebacker in the league but if he takes a little bit less I think he'll find a home and then can get out there and prove it again I like Kenny Young a lot, man. You know, he might be a situational linebacker because he's kind of one-dimensional in a sense, but the energy he brings is incredible. He even got Vic Fangio to walk around on the sideline, uncross his arms in that Cowboys game, Chad. So <laughs> it rubbed off on everyone. And I love the fact the Broncos had a coverage uh, inside linebacker for once in what felt like an eternity. But Jairo Evero being on the, the Broncos coaching staff now, if he doesn't sign off on Kenny Young, I mean, that's a pretty big – he coached him in, in Los Angeles. He would know what Young's capable of, and maybe they don't think he can help out the team. Maybe he doesn't envision using Kenny Young as a true uh, full-time inside linebacker. Maybe they're happy with Josie Jewell, Griffith, and Alex Singleton, but a team – that needs a guy who can run sideline to sideline, bring energy to a defense. I mean, the Cowboys, for one, would be fools not to bring in Kenny Young on a one-year, $2 million deal. He can help out a lot. 
He'll never be maybe an all-pro, pro bowler, 17-game starter, but as a guy, your third inside linebacker, situational guy, energy, locker room guy, you could do a lot worse than Kenny Young. Here we have RD, another great listener up in Canada. Welcome. Thank you for that super. Any thoughts on who the Broncos might trade for Trade for picks next year, right? Because what do they have now? Is it they had four, now have five? I keep confusing this. Or is it they had five, now have six? I think it's four, now have five. But either way, if you Peyton does want, he said, I guarantee we'll have more picks than we have currently come draft time next year. Who are they gonna who are they gonna turn to pick up some of those picks, Zach? I mean, I I, I got to give credit where it's due. I, I think this is a good call right here. Lloyd Cushenberry, after uh, taking an interior alignment and then bringing back Glasgow, and they are they are not high on Cushenberry from what I hear. So maybe he could be a trade chip. Maybe like we talked about KJ Hamler, but I don't see the Broncos wanting to move on. Nor do I see a team calling about KJ. You have to look at the positions where the Broncos are flush to see if maybe another team would bite for a player. I mean. I'm thinking safety. Maybe someone takes a chance on Jamar Johnson. I don't think they're going to trade Caden Stearns, but they don't have many trade chips, which is a good thing for the Broncos. And if they were to acquire more picks, they likely would do it during the draft like George Payton did, moved out of the day two to get a third-round pick next year. I think that's the way he would go when he's on the clock. Yo, Dale. We got to hang out with Dale in Vegas. It was very, very cool. Jumping in from the top rope. Looks like he made it back safe and sound uh, to Hawaii. Great to see you in the chat, my friend. Thank, Thank you for you, that Dale. very generous super. Thank you. He uh, he was a great host for us, too, on, what yes. was that, Friday night? Love you, big dog. He says, Gronkowski, 468. Jerry Rice, 471. Had Rice been drafted today, 471 would have dropped him into round two at a minimum. There's speed, then there's speed with pads on. I like what I see on tape. Of Greg Dulcich, he passes the eye test. Yeah, I mean it's how they it's how they use that body. Can you play football, right? Can do you know how to recognize the soft spot in the zone and what you might lack, Zach, from a from an athletic perspective, whatever it might be, your speed, maybe it's a measurement, whatever it might be. Can you bridge that gap with what you bring to the table between the years from work ethic, football IQ, preparation? you know, taking to your coaching, all those things come together and separate Jerry Rice from being just a four, seven, one guy to the greatest wide receiver of all time. I mean, Dale, you know, we appreciate you and I'm very grateful for how you hooked us up in Vegas on, uh, on last Friday evening, but we're talking about Rob Gronkowski and Jerry Rice here. I mean, those were two of the greatest players of all time. If we're hoping Greg Dulcich is going to be that out of the gates, then it might be unfair to put that upon his shoulders. If he can just be a capable you know, contributor to the Broncos offense they can rely on and, and build around. I think that would be a successful rookie season for Dulcich. Uh, I, I want him to be elite. I want him to have elite speed. I want him to be everything he thinks he is, but he's going to have to prove that on the field, and he has uh, big expectations ahead of him. Dale, love you, bro. Give our best to the misses, and glad to hear that you made it back safe and sound, big dog. Much love. Um Ovanis jumping in finally on my lunch break to catch you guys live. Is that how you pronounce your name? I'm not sure, but thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Welcome. Good to have you in the chat. It's a late lunch, but you know what? Back on what Dell was talking about with Dulcich, like Russell Wilson, we learned was very involved in the Broncos making that pick. Like he signed off on it. I don't know exactly all the details on how that transpired in the same way, for example, Zach, that we know, how it kind of happened with Alberto and Drew Locke. Like Broncos had a chance at Alberto. They saw the way the board was falling. They could foresee that within the next few picks, Albert was probably going to be there. So John Elway picked up the phone and called Drew and got his take, some inside baseball insight on Alberto, made the pick. I don't know exactly, you know, we know that's how it shook out with Alberto and Drew. I don't know how it shook out between Russ and Dulcich, but. Russ wanted him here. Russ was an influence in him getting here. So if nothing else, I'll trust that for now. Yeah, I mean, for sure. George Payton has earned the benefit of the doubt. Same for Russell Wilson. Again, if he can help the Broncos win Dulcich and make the Broncos offense better, then I'll, I'll be a big supporter of his cause. We got so many Mount Rushmore heavy hitters throwing down tonight from Andrew joining the show and then throwing down stars to Michaela to Dale, Michael, 
I mean, Tanner at the top of the show with just some top rope super chats. Thank you, guys. Michael, you're a prince, dude. Thank you, really Michael. appreciate you, Thank big you. dog. Uh, he says, great show tonight on MHH. Let's ride and go Broncos. Love you, big dog. Really do appreciate that. Um, but, guys, we're kind of button up against it. I don't, you know, we don't need to push for an hour, Zach. If there's nothing else burning on y'all's mind, any topics particularly, I mean, we could keep going around the horn discussing what other people are saying about the Nick Benito picks. I mean, Nick has done a great, great job of uh, kind of combing the interwebs for the people that whose opinions we might actually care about and what they're saying about Denver's draft hall. We could, we could go through some of that, but you're probably better off reading a lot of that from Nick himself. Plus, you'll be you can talk to Nick on the bright in the morning alongside Scott Kennedy. Any burning questions, get them in here, guys, because we're about to dip on out. Um, I see Zach. someone. I see someone. Pe- people talking about trading maybe Tim Patrick. I, I don't foresee that uh, the Broncos doing that. The only thing better than having one Cortland Sutton is having two Cortland Suttons. And Timmy P is Cortland Sutton light. I'm a huge fan of his, and I think he's going to help out Russell Wilson being a reliable possession receiver and red zone threat. So I don't see him going anywhere. He's just so trusty. You know what I mean? Like you can always count on Timmy P to uh, get open. And even if he's not open, you truck it up to him. He's going he's gonna to catch it. He is a very good possession receiver. Here's the last thing I want to grab tonight, Zach, and then we'll dip. Uh, Nick had this article for us. This is NFL Network's kind of analytics darling, Cynthia Freeland, on uh, her recurring segment on NFL.com, Game Theory. She used a model that projects Benito as one of the better value picks that was even made on all of day two. Here's what she said. I want to get your take, and then we'll dip on out of here. Quote, Benito ranked 51st on my big board, and if the Broncos you know, took him 64, that's obviously good value. So Benito ranked 51st on my big board ahead of the 22 draft, but now that he's paired with Bradley Chubb and the Broncos' defense, the forecasted production value is significantly higher than the league average I used to create my values. PFF gave Benito a 94.6 pass rush grade over the 2020 and 2021 seasons combined, the highest in the FBS. Aiden Hutchinson, for what it's worth, was second. Last season, the former Sooner was also PFF's highest-rated edge player in pass rush win rate and had the highest QB pressure percentage among Power 5 players. Computer vision shows that Benito's second contact win rate, these are metrics, all right, when a defender is stopped by an offensive lineman and then attacks again, was third best among all draft-eligible edge defenders last year, closed quote. Zach, your thoughts? I mean, I appreciate the PFF fart sniffing that's going on from Cynthia Freeland, but those stats don't do much for me. Is he going to get after the quarterback at the NFL level? Is he going to get sacks for the Denver Broncos? What will he do in orange and blue? That's what I care about. Some of these stats are overthinking it. They're they're very artificial, man-made, and I think unnecessary and obsolete to an extent. It's how well he gets after the passer, especially in year one, until he bulks up a little bit. I using PFF as a supporting cause is one thing, but using it as your main argument is quite another. It's 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 nuts on the table time with Nick Benito. Here's the thing, though. I agree with you on what she had to say about his grade being number one uh, relative to uh, Aiden Hutchinson being number two. But the other things are metrics. I mean, these are these are actual advanced analytic metrics. They're not statistics that the NFL uses by any stretch as far as like, you know, what you can go look up and see how many sacks did a guy have, how many tackles for a loss. But they are advanced analytic metrics that are simply measured by did it happen or did it not. To me, it's encouraging. It, it makes me feel a lot better about Nick Benito as being more perhaps someday than just a situational assassin. Yo, it's Travis Weber, Zach, in the house. What's good, bro? We have missed you, big dog. He says, hope you guys had a blast in Vegas. Peyton hasn't done us wrong yet and believe in the process. Go Broncos. Very nice um, tone to toward the end of the podcast. Appreciate that, big T. Trust the process, baby. It's, it's more than just a Sixers tagline. It now applies to the Broncos. Trust Peyton, what he has to do, and I think he's leading the Broncos on the right path. And that benefit of the doubt was, I mean, for a seven-win team, I still think it was earned. The things that George Payton has done since arriving here and the messes he's cleaned up, I still, I'm going to hold true to the whole Payton in Payton. We trust thing. D-Dub jumping in again. Yo, dude. Thank you, Dale. 
Thank you. Wow. Thank you, big dog. He says draft picks that Peyton, uh, Peyton promised for next year. I think one of our wideouts will, will be traded if he has a big year under Wilson. The contracts given this offseason might demand it. Sutton, $6 million guaranteed, $60 million contract. Devontae Adams, $28 million guaranteed, $141 million. That's a fair point. I mean, if you're looking at strengths where the Broncos could afford to dish a guy and relative to their consumption of the salary cap, I mean, that's probably their biggest strength as far as what would attract other teams right now their wide receiver depth. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking the only way they trade a receiver is if Jerry Judy goes off because he'll be eligible for a second contract, not playing on his rookie deal. If he has a breakout year, if he leads the Broncos in reception or or touchdowns, makes a pro bowl, I can definitely see Jerry Judy not holding out necessarily, but demanding a new contract. I don't see Tim Patrick doing that. I don't see Cortland Sutton doing that. I do see Jerry Judy doing that. So maybe, Dale, it comes to fruition where if Judy goes off necessarily, they might look to either appease him or trade him uh, while his value is at an all-time high. Well said. And, Dale, great great topics, my friend. Love it. Appreciate the discussion. Appreciate you helping us to, uh, you know, these are things that at this point it's speculation, but that's where we're at in the offseason. Yeah, we still have a draft class that we'll be continue to talking. We'll continue to talk about as we get deeper into the offseason. And he's even saying here, I'm not saying it's Sutton, by the way, but no, it's a fair point, my dog. It's a fair point. I don't see it happening today. But as you said, if Russell Wilson turns these guys who were unfortunately, even though they got paid last year, underachieving due to the quarterback play into stars, and all of a sudden you've got a smorgasbord of productive studs at wide receiver. One of those cats can become expendable and you can use him to turn, flip, you know, unload some of that cap, those cap dollars and stockpile a draft pick. Well said. But Zach, we got a dip. Either way, what a good problem to have of the Broncos. Too many great receivers, you know, and who, who to keep and who not to keep. But that was the Huddle Up podcast, guys. We are done for this evening. We're back on tomorrow. Same time, same place. Six o'clock Mountain, eight o'clock Eastern. Until that time, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Be sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, some swag, it's all right there. HuddleUpPod.com. Y'all saw Andrew rocking the football pre-shirt. Be like Andrew. Go to huddleuppod.com and get yourself some merch and facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. Follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every single month. But if you can't do those things, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHA channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Yes, it does. And a shout out to these great supporters on Facebook, starting with the man who graced us with his presence, Andrew Baker, Gary Leeds Palmer, Phil McLaughlin, and Travis Weber, plus our great Super Chat superstars like Michaela, D-Dub, we got Tanner, we got Jay Valentine, Gary Blah Blah, RD, and of course, last but not least, Michael Ronquillo. Much love and respect. As Zach said, we'll catch you tomorrow night. But don't forget, you also got Broncos for breakfast on the bright. So we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, and as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. 
Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.